Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello. You're listening to BFN. This is the podcast about infertility, IVF and the trials of trying for a baby. I'm Emma. And I'm Gabby and we're two card-carrying members of the Infertility Club. Everyone's in the future, aren't they? Yeah. Yeah, because we're recording a week ahead of time. We are, we are. Because you're swanning off on your hulls. I'm swanning off to Swansea. Yeah. Well, just outside Swansea. <laughs> How delightful. Oh, mate, I'm actually really, really, really excited. Have to you just... told Liz you're coming to her ends? No, I haven't told Liz, actually. Liz, mm. if you're listening to this, I'm in your ends. News, she's in your ends, mate. Although, I mean, Wales is quite a big place, right? So it's not yeah. necessarily in her ends. Yeah, shall I tell you something quite funny? Tell you and the listeners. Between sure. you, me and the listeners, um, the place we're going is really close to a place I used to go when I was going out with this boy when I was 18. his family had like a little house there and the reason we're going is because it's a really beautiful place and I was like I love that part of Wales Mm -hmm. let's go to that part of Wales and also a friend of mine has just moved quite close to there but John was going through like all the nearest nice pubs and he's like and there's this one and I was like oh that is literally opposite to my ex-boyfriend's house (laughs) but I really want to go so yeah how awkward would that be not that awkward it's been a long time yeah fine I mean, maybe he doesn't have the house anymore. I quite like that kind of awkward scenario. Whenever I go back to Ireland with uh, Mr. Gabby, I'm always secretly hoping to run into an ex. I think it'd be awkward because it's the kind of place that you really only go if you know about it. So he'd be like, you're here because you used to come here. You creep. <laughs> no. Yeah. I'm sure he'd be like, oh my God, look at that fit bird that I used to go out with. Yeah, probably. She's, uh, she's so fit. God, I let that slip between my fingers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, maybe he'll think that, yeah. But I, <laughs> I, I think he's got quite a nice life. I think he's happy. I'm sh- sure he does. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's no regrets there. Yeah, maybe he'll think that. <laughs> I mean, maybe he will. Um, anyway, 
That's my life. So yes, um, the consequence of me being on holiday is that there's going to be no show next week. Yeah, sorry guys. Yeah. A little um, week off. I apologise, it's just the edit monkey is away. Yes. Um, you've gone away from your desk, unchained yeah. yourself. Yeah, I have. Fled. I don't want any, I don't want any worries. I think everyone will support you in that. Thanks. I think everyone's going to be like, that's fine. That is a okay. Yeah. Maybe we could, um, oh, we could send a newsletter. I I was just thinking that. I'll do a newsletter. Okay. Gabby will do a newsletter. Yeah. Look out for that, guys. Um, No, it's fine. Why not? Why not? Pile it on. Okay. Well, uh, do you want to talk about yourself? How are you? Um, I'm good. I'm good. Yeah. Um, my dad's coming to visit this week, which I'm quite excited about. Um, it's his birthday on Friday. So I was planning today. I was like, what am I going to do for his birthday? So that's quite nice. I haven't seen him for a long time. Not since September. Shit. Mm. That'd be so fun. And he lives in seaside town. Do you think he'll be doing like seaside comparisons? be i mean he's not a big fan of the kind of the scene so to speak right. he'll be kind of if he's comparing anything it'll be like oh that looks like a good uh mountain bike trail or okay oh, i bet i could do some off-road there right so he's not gonna be like oh what is a lovely coffee place no no it doesn't take a coffee outside okay it doesn't take <laughs> okay. anything outside really um <laughs> Mr. Gabby was like, hey, why don't you take him to the boating pond for a drink? That's a really nice spot. And I was like, I just don't think he'd want to go. Like, even if it wasn't COVID times, he's not really interested in going to the pub. Okay. I mean, I don't know how we're related. But <laughs> Isn't um, your dad like, wasn't he a pop star at one point? He was in a techno band. Yeah. Yeah. Pop star is probably quite reductive. Pop star is not, yeah. And then we also star also, okay. not true. Okay. Um, he was, but he wasn't the type of he wasn't the type that I know gets involved in loads of drugs and drink right. or anything. He was just about the music. Yeah, he's only got one kidney, so he okay. can't um, he can't party hard. Oh yeah. Okay. Maybe I mean it was before I was born. Maybe it was a consequence of partying too hard. Who knows? Yeah, but maybe. ever since I've known him, he's been pretty straight edge. Okay. Well, you know, some, the techno scene is like that. I've heard. <laughs> yeah, I did once get offered a line of coke, um, but up backstage whilst I was watching him, and I was fifteen or something. Wow! Yeah, wow! Yeah. He was furious. <laughs> was it one of his mates? I'd say mate is a strong word. It's probably like a you know one of the hanger oners that hangs around right. backstage. A groupie. Mm, one of your groupies. Not a sexy groupie, like a guy. Okay, but you know, entourage. 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 I should definitely say, like, my dad wasn't famous. Like, he was kind of big in Malta. About it. <laughs> Just in case anyone's like, who's Gabby's dad? Um, <laughs> no one will know who he is apart from the people of Malta, in which case it's the Holy Ghost. Uh, okay. There's my uh, father. Anyway. Right. I'm really digressing. <laughs> I mean, I want to go, I want to take that and run with it and talk about sure you being everyone. Jesus, but I'm not going to. <laughs> Everyone's um, delighted by this. Um, so yeah, so we do have an episode this week, of course. We do, yeah, yes, and it's a good one. Um, yeah, so Liz, got Liz. Liz to um, IVF or not to IVF? That is the question she is answering. There we go. Um, so it's again 
she's just so good with the atmospheric sounds. She just sounds like she's in a beautiful glade again. Um, And she's talking about basically someone's written in and said, you know, I don't, I don't know whether I want to do IVF. I don't know whether I want to adopt, like, will I have any regrets? And I think, you know, this is obviously something Liz has thought about at length. Mm. And she's got some really good ways of like framing your thinking around it. Mm, that's nice. That's really yeah. good. Yeah. We've actually had some um, messages in the Insta inbox uh, to that effect that I think they mm. probably, those ladies might like listen to that as well. Yeah. I think it's a really nice. Um, it, I mean, it's a dilemma we've all had. Do we, mm. do we want to go through it? Mm. Um, it's, it's funny because I remember listening to Sophie Solaria's podcast, mm-hmm. which is called The Little Road to Baby. And she goes through all the things that you can do to to have a child that aren't IVF or just obviously mm. natural conception. Um, and the thing that I took away from that podcast was I'm going to do everything in my power to become a mother, like however mm. I do that. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that came out when I was kind of in the depths of having rounds cancelled and things. Yeah. And I think I listened to it in about one week. It was um, pretty good. It's so great. And if you guys haven't heard it, go back and listen to our episode when we interviewed her. Um, and yeah, it's a wonderful podcast. It's, it's got some amazing stories in it. Definitely yeah. worth listening to. Um, but don't stop listening to this one. No, don't switch this off and listen to that one. No, that's absolutely not the plan. Listen to it another time. I'll put a link in the show notes so you can go back. Oh, that's very generous of you, Emma. Yeah. yeah <laughs> um. And then our interview this week is someone amazing. Yeah, she is. Um, Her name is Rachel Westbury and she is a surrogate. Yeah. Not only is she a surrogate and has been a surrogate four times? Three times to four babies. Three times to four babies. Mm -hmm. She also set up an agency for surrogates. So she's Mm -hmm. like really embroiled in the surrogate world and fucking loves it she loves it and I just do you know what there was a piece published in a publication we will not mention um this week which last week which has really kind of treated talked about surrogates as if they are kind of victims Mm. and I think Rachel really dispels this myth yeah 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 absolutely she, she really just she just like the way that she can empathize, I guess, with intended parents is amazing. It's just, you know, it's, I think it's been a massive gap in our, in the podcast so far is that we haven't spoken to someone on that side of it. So I'm really glad mm. that we had that chat. Yeah, definitely. Me too. We should also do a donor, right? Yeah, we definitely should. Yeah. Speaking yeah. I mean, of we spoke to Jenny the other day and she was donating, oh, that's true. but yeah, she yeah, has yeah. not donated. Very good point, Emma. Yeah. Um, so, uh, guys, I hope all of that mm-hmm. is very enjoyable to you. Yes. Um, while you're listening, if you've got some idle minutes, please rate and review the podcast because it mm. helps other people to find it. Yes, please. Um, and if you would like to speak to us, you can email us. Bigfatnegativepodcast at gmail.com. You can send us a message on Instagram. At bigfatnegative. You can, you, I mean... You can follow us on Twitter. I wouldn't send us a message. Would you not? Would you? Yeah, we're not. I mean, I don't go anywhere near Twitter, no. Twitter but you do. No. Twitter's your world, Emma. Twitter's my world. But if you want to hit Emma up on Twitter world, it's, yeah. um, again, at Big Fat Negative. Yeah. Um, I'm probably going to be in an article on the iPaper at some point soon. Really? Yeah. Doing what? 
one of my old colleagues was writing a piece about fertility tech. Cool. So I did an interview with her the other day. Oh, um, awesome. And the reason I said that is because we'll probably tweet it. Oh, yeah, it'll be tweeted. Yeah, it'll be tweeted. Um, so anyway, yes, please enjoy this podcast. Do. Hi, back again. Um, sadly, I am on my own this time, so... For those Nick fans out there, I do I do apologise. Um, and this week, we've had a message from a lady that I have named, Unsure and Confused. And she asks, um, how to evaluate and tackle the myriad of confusing options that you can do after you've been trying to conceive for over a year? How do you decide which way to go? My husband and I are conser- considering our options and I'm feeling quite overwhelmed. I'm scared about the cost and physical impact of IVF. Trying to conceive is intense and I can't imagine how much more emotionally intense fertility treatment will be. I was inspired by not a fictional mum and adoption. She was phenomenal, I just have to say that. Um, But I'm worried that I'll have regrets later down the line for not trying everything. It feels like I'm faced by lots of dark paths and I'm not sure which one to go down. So first of all, thank you so much for getting in touch. It's it's so, so difficult to consider whether or not uh, continuing fertility treatment is for you um, and actually whether or not you want to go down that road at all because, as you say, it is no guarantee and it can be hugely draining, both emotionally and physically. Um, and I think the reality of uh, the possibility that it might not work... Um, while bleak is a, it, it's a good one to bear in mind I think um so first of all I think my if if this were me um my first steps would be going to see the GP so I don't know if you've done that obviously you don't mention that you've done that yet then consider um what it is that you want I think I think that's a very important thing as well so for example do you want the opportunity to be pregnant? Is that something that is important to you? Is that something that you'd like to experience? Because I know you mentioned the possibility of, will I regret? Will I feel what if? And I think that is a real consideration. And it's definitely something that I thought about when we um, were discussing adoption um, or donor conception. And I think, you know, I've said a couple of times before that actually when I was confronted with the possibility that I may not be pregnant or have the opportunity to carry a baby, I realised that that was something that I did really want to do. So I think that is a consideration that, you know, you could potentially make is, do I want to be pregnant? What does my family, um, what does my family look like? You've mentioned adoption. That's definitely something that's an option for Nick and I. It's something that um, is equally as challenging, equally as difficult, but is far more guaranteed. Although the you may not uh, be matched with or feel a connection with a very small baby, you may feel your connection is with an older child. Is that something that you feel um, is an option for you? Do you think that maybe going to an adoption open evening, so again, exploring your options on that end of the table, is something that would benefit you? I know that obviously there are a lot of overwhelming 
um, options here, but sometimes you just need to lay them out on the table, lay them all out in front of you and actually have a genuine and honest conversation about what at this particular point you feel you can and can't cope with. You don't have to do IVF if you don't feel as though it's something that you want to do and that is right for you and you're ready for. You're under no obligation to do that. Similarly, if you feel as adoption is that adoption is a um, more of a realistic option for the pair of you, then you can go straight to that. You could start IVF and actually, if it's something that doesn't work for you, you can walk away. Now, that is a little bit more difficult because the cost implications, as you quite rightly say, can be significant. I don't know whether or not you're eligible for any NHS treatment, but one of the th- if you do decide to go ahead with any form of fertility treatment, what Nick and I found to be very, very beneficial was having a sort of end date, an end period, um, a we can't do this beyond this point period. Now that's shifted, don't get me wrong, with all of the different um, roadblocks that we've encountered. So we've been very, very flexible and fluid with that to what suits us. But I think it's always been very clear in our minds that we didn't want to do this beyond a certain point. And certainly now that I've reached the point we're at, I definitely feel as though I'm coming to a natural end with it all. So even though I know that you've said it's extremely overwhelming, I would, in the first instance, look at all those little trees. Look at those trees. By that I mean, you know, the adoption branch, the IUI branch, the IVF branch, obviously depending on what your, um, you know, what your diagnoses are. And have a think about realistically what can i what can what can i and can't i cope with right now and be safe in the knowledge that you can say stop when you feel that you want to you know you're not, you're not obligated to continue with any of this you can say stop you're in control here um there are a lot of clinics which offer who offer free consultations so again don't feel obligated to stick with a particular clinic if you want to um, go and have a conversation with somebody a friend of mine went abroad and got some uh, very beneficial advice doing it that way Um, speaking with your GP will also give you uh, potential free options seeing whether or not you can have an initial consultation with someone from the NHS just for you to understand actually what fertility treatment might look like and mean for you because I think it's very different for lots for different people and the stages can be different for different people so by that I mean some people start with Clomid some people go straight into IUI some people go straight into IVF so I think the first step of figuring out actually what does fertility treatment look for the pair of you and then making a decision about whether or not that's something that you want to progress with and even if you look at it as baseline logically hard-nosed as statistically how likely is it for me to get pregnant based on this clinic's um, previous statistics that's allowed 
because as much as a lot of us really want to have a baby and that's the reason we put ourselves through the fertility treatment sometimes our emotions can cloud it and we just keep going blindly so to actually look at it from a quite a clinical perspective sometimes really helps to for the pair of you to set your boundaries on what kind of treatment you're going to have how long your treatment's going to go on for and actually if you're going to have treatment at all um because i find it very interesting when i spoke with my counselor uh, about our current circumstances with regards our existing embryo and one of the things she said to me and you know she said it might not be a, a popular thing to say but you don't have to carry on with treatment just because it's there you don't have to do it and it seems as though that's definitely something that you've considered because you are um you know you you speak very uh i hope this doesn't sound rude but very fearfully about ivf and i think sometimes the fear of the unknown as well can cause something to be um, bigger and scarier than it is the cost of it is big and scary stepping into that world is big and scary so while you may not be able to prepare for it completely if you go in there with all of the information that you can glean and have honest conversations between the pair of you is this something that we want to do it's it's so hard I guess a lot of us kind of stumble into IVF because it's it's the natural road I don't know if that makes sense, but I never really considered not doing it. And looking back, as you know, with all the issues that it's caused me and caused us and the money that we've spent, I can't honestly hand on heart say that I wouldn't do it again because it's given me the opportunity to achieve what I wanted to achieve. Um, and as much as challenging and as difficult as it's been, I, you know, I can't walk away, I can't walk away from, from that hope. Um, but I also totally understand what you say about, you know, it being a very, very, it can be a very scary and a sad and a lonely place to be. Um, but I think, you know, trying to set those boundaries, set those parameters, do the research that you need to do understand what type of treatment they are suggesting for you can sometimes help you decide is this something that I can progress with is this something that I can deal with and is this something that statistically or has a decent statistical chance of giving me what I want so the main thing is to just touch base with every single option that they're presenting to you every option that you uh you know think works for you and you know as kind of cheesy as it sounds as a couple trust your gut instinct because deep down in your bones you will know the right thing to do and you will also know when to walk away take great care and i really hope that it's you know you find the decision that is right for you and you get all the information that you need and as ever I'm, I'm always I'm always there to chat on Instagram and the community there is hugely supportive and hugely knowledgeable so you have found your tribe and I wish you all the best of luck Hold up 
hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Cool fact a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Rachel, hey. Hey, how are you? I'm, well, you know, we have just had a discussion about the bee stuck in my conservatory, so I'm on edge. I'd be screaming right now. Yeah, I'm not happy, but I'll get over it. Um, I So we're here to talk about, and this is really interesting, we've, we've never had the surrogacy story from your point of view before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so very briefly to start off with, because we've got a lot of questions, tell us about how nappy endings happened. Um, very briefly, nappy endings started because at 11 years ago, I looked into being a surrogate. And um, after having four surrogate babies, experiencing the highs and lows of surrogacy, um, mm-hmm. I found that there was a slight lack of empathy and understanding and I wanted to I'm very passionate about it and I wanted to be able to give everybody that goes on the journey 24 hours support that they deserve Mm -hmm. um and also it's a real passion of mine I can talk about it all day and I've (laughs) been privileged to be on anybody's journey so yeah I absolutely love doing it what what makes a person want to be a surrogate um I think a little bit of crazy and a whole lot of love um, <laughs> that's what my sister said she's actually got it framed for me um, <laughs> um I love it um I think anyone that comes to be a surrogate has to come into it for the right reasons you've got to really understand anyone um can come into surrogacy from whatever background and whatever story they've got everyone is different but I think you know, wanting to give that family, um, to create that family. Um, it's just such a special thing to be able to do. A lot of people feel that they've completed their family or no family members that have experienced, um, you know, loss or, or difficulties trying for a baby. Mm-hmm. And a, a lot of the time that's a, a real sort of like motivator for people to want to help. What was your reason um, I knew after I had my son, um, I split up with his dad when he was two, and I knew that I love the whole pregnancy. Not I love being pregnant. I'm fascinated by the whole pregnancy, fertility side, but I knew I didn't want to expand my family. My son was enough for me, um, and I saw a documentary, and I it was something that 
sort of had been on my mind backwards and forwards and I watched another documentary I'd gone to my parents for dinner and it it was just by chance on and my mum said you know if you're gonna do it why don't you do it sort of like now you're not getting any younger so I kind of googled it and um yeah the the obsession began that's Mm -hmm. I mean it's amazing how many times have you done it um I've done three journeys I've had four babies the first journey was twins I've done two traditional using my own eggs and one gestational using um sort of um, embryos created by the intended parents so I'm really interested in this so there's there's obviously a difference between those two as the as the surrogate the gestational carrier it's are you like did you find the two experiences kind of emotionally different no I didn't really I mean I would say the gestational journey was a lot harder um Mm -hmm. we had three embryo transfers to get to them having their child the first one went Mm. ectopic so I had to have surgery to have a tube the second transfer failed and the third one was twins and we lost a twin at eight weeks so but they've now got a lovely healthy little boy um I don't look upon them any different um I to me none of them were ever going to be a journey for me the the babies were never going to be for me um, and every single journey was a different background to why they came to surrogacy. And um, I no, I mean, I, I can honestly say whether it was a traditional using my own eggs or not, it made no difference to how I felt about the journey or, or anything. Do you, I mean, do you have to go through like a process to kind of separate yourself, like distance yourself? I think it just happens automatically. Um, because I knew that they were never for me and I knew when you hear the story or when you get to know the couple or or the people that you're helping, it's kind of straight away you get caught up in the excitement for them. So Mm -hmm. it just kind of happens naturally. Um, Mm -hmm. It's not something that you have to think about. I I was nervous the first time round, especially being traditional and then finding out it was twins and the agency I was with at the time closed down six weeks after I'd met the couple so we were a bit like what do we do um and we muddled through but um no I I can honestly say that um you know every journey that I've done has been amazing they've all been completely different but they've all been amazing what what were the were there any differences between the pregnancies with your son and I guess the difference would be in your head more than anything and with the um, surrogate pregnancies that you had. Um, I think with my son it was different because I had, obviously, I was in a relationship with his father. I was kind of in the, you know, the nesting home setup mode and, and everything else. And that was for us. So at that point, mm-hmm. um, you know, it, it, was, um, it was great. I wasn't being completely honest, you know, I didn't get that thunderbolt when you get handed the baby when, you know, I never suffered any postnatal depression and I loved him from the minute he was born, but I didn't have that, you know, that kind of, I I guess I'm not one of those earth mothery type people that, Mm -hmm. you know, I I loved being a homemaker. I loved Mm -hmm. um, the whole family set up and everything. Um, But then when you're a surrogate and you're carrying for for somebody else, it's lovely to watch them do that it's lovely to watch them get excited and buy all the things and and everything and you know it's just a real privilege to be on their journey so you get excited 
for them, you get excited and nervous um, for scans because obviously you have that little bit more pressure. You don't want to let anybody down if anything mm. goes wrong. Um, yeah. But uh, no. How do you handle that? Because, you know, it, is there a kind of like an element of, wow, this hasn't worked out. I have, I've let them down. How, how did oh, you manage yeah. that? Um, I just think, you know, you build up a, a good relationship before you sort of start a journey. And, um, you know, every intended parent that I've sort of gone through a journey with, um, and even through nappy endings as well, that, you know, again, not every journey is smooth. Um, the intended parents kind of more feel guilty that they've putting sort of the surrogate or me through that. Yet mm, I yeah. feel guilty that I'm letting them down. And mm. even preparing for an embryo transfer, you get so nervous and worried. What if the scan's mm-hmm. not going to be okay or something? Mm. How about the the kind of, I mean, you mentioned there that one of the transfers was an ectopic pregnancy. There's obviously risks involved in that for you as well. Yeah. How does that, does that something you think about a lot? Is that something you talk to potential surrogates about? I'm I'm really real and honest with all intended parents and surrogates that come to me because I feel it's the best way. I feel everybody should be completely informed. I tell them the highs and the lows. I don't want people to come to surrogacy just expecting rainbows and unicorns in it. It's going to be a guarantee given that it's all going to be perfect. Um, for me, the ectopic was something that really scared me. Um, I'd always took fertility, like, you know, getting pregnant for uh, for granted, never really mm-hmm. had an issue. And that's what made me start nappy endings when that happened, because the whole IVF and fertility world, wow, it's like a whole new world, um, a complete the time consuming in your mind, like a whole new world. And um, you know, I just feel it is fair to be honest to everybody, you know, what they're going to go through, what they could go through, um, mm. and the risks, um, you know, there's been, you know, amazing highs and there's been horrendous lows, but I don't have one regret. Do you know, the thing that like really strikes me listening to you talk is when, um, when you go through infertility, you're putting loads of pressure on yourself, right? Yeah. You're like this transfer is going to work. This one's going to work or not. You're like, this one's not going to work. Um, and then when it doesn't work, you know, you really feel bad. You feel like you're letting your partner down. If you have one, you feel like you're letting your family down, whoever's been involved. I felt like I'd let the bloody nurses at the clinic down. Yeah. I cannot imagine the amount of pressure you put yourself under. When oh, you I was are obsessed. I mean, this. yeah, I, I definitely felt the pressure because, um, you know, even the night before a blood test, like when you're preparing for the scan or, you know, um, when you're um, going for, like, to get the lining check to see if you're ready for the transfer and, you know, every single milestone that's that you're on that journey for, every medication, is my body going to respond to it? You're constantly, you know, you, you, you put the pressure on yourself to make sure it's all going to be okay for them because you don't want to let them down, but you're not letting them down. And as a surrogate, all you can do is your best and you can't control nature, mm. unfortunately. Mm very scary um so just a kind of bit of a gear shift here um I was reading one of the blogs that you wrote and I love the idea that after one of your births you 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 had a home birth 
And then you watch Come Dine With Me and had a pizza with the intended parents. Yeah. (laughs) That was amazing. That was got to be up there. That is my, that was my, out of all the births that I've had, and I apologise to my son now, that was the best experience ever. (laughs) Um, You know, uh, it really was. The home birth was something I I always wanted. And, Mm. you know, put me in a hospital, the first thing I'll do is scream for an epidural. Put me at home, Uh I haven't got that option. And it was quick, it was smooth, it was easy, it was painful it was you know it was amazing and um the midwives were amazing um one ran me a bath by the time I'd got out of the bath my bedroom was like you know as if the cleaners had been in and the bed was was lovely and we all sat downstairs they have to stay with the baby for six hours so the midwife can just do checks and we all sat downstairs and my son actually slept through it um, I woke up oh, in labour wow. at four in the morning and I had her at just gone eight o'clock in the morning and um, my son woke up about half past eight and my friend stole, look, you know, mummy's like, I had the baby, do you want to come and like, you know, meet like the baby with the couple? Um, and he was like, no, can I just go on my Xbox and can we have pizza now? Um, <laughs> and that was it. And then we all sat downstairs and um, we put Come Dine With Me on and we ordered, as soon as they opened, just loads of pizza. And we mm-hmm. sat there eating it. And, um, yeah, it was amazing, surreal moment. It was like, wow, yeah. like an hour ago, I was upstairs in labour. What's going on here? And it was crazy. But it, oh, it was just unreal experience. Amazing. And out of everybody, I see them the most. I was going to say, it sounds like you had quite a good relationship with those guys. What happens oh, yeah. next? Do you Do you see them again? and do you kind of have a relationship with the child I always leave it up to the intended parents and again the same you know with any of our surrogates I always say you know I think respect the intended parents decision um with the twins we're in touch via messaging you know birthdays Christmas cards that sort of thing um with the little girl yes we whatsapp um we um meet up normally once every sort of eight to ten months we haven't seen each other for about a year and a half because of COVID because they live quite Mm. far away um but we whatsapp and I get photos and I you know a couple of times I've spoken to her on the phone and she knows everything you know when she last came round, she came round dressed up in her Elsa dress and bounced out the car and was like I know what a surrogate is and cartwheeled into my house and jumped on my son's back um (laughs) and we all sat there and eating like food like you know having like a carpet picnic and the kids were playing and you know and it's great um and yeah they um you know I have a great relationship with them and then the most recent one um again that a different dynamic Christmas birthdays that sort of thing um yeah I mean that's amazing what what, I mean what the few kind of hours after you have you've given birth parents have taken the intended parents I guess they're now parents have taken the baby back with them what are those few hours like for you um it's really strange um I would say it's not so much straight afterwards because if I'm in a hospital or sort of they're still there it's when sort of you're on your own because from Mm. the minute you you meet the intended parents to the minute you deliver the the kind of the focus is on the surrogate and the appointments, the doctors, the midwives, the the intended parents. And then all of a sudden the baby's born and you've got that kind of 
I'd say like an emptiness for just mm-hmm. a little while um, yeah. mm-hmm. where where it's all gone quiet and, you know, um, and you've still got the hormones that rush through and, and everything is still the same in that way. But um, it's, it's a little bit strange for a little while. It's why I'm really on, on top of any of our surrogates as soon as they've had a baby. So And I prepare them and I say, listen, you're going to feel that little bit of emptiness afterwards, but you're also going to feel the best feeling in the world. And it is a real mm-hmm. mixture of the two. Um, yeah. But that's, that emptiness soon goes and it's just filled with complete happiness when the reality sets in of what you've actually done. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. Um, God, such a, I just can't, I don't know. It just blows my mind. Basically. I love it. I'm addicted to it completely. <laughs> I love it. It is such an amazing thing to do for someone. Yeah. I guess that must be the overriding emotion. I mean, yeah, so many people thank me, but I also thank them because I feel it's a real privilege, you know. Mm. It, it takes a lot to trust somebody to be able to do that. I mean, but even with childcare or, or babysitters, you know, you have to put an element of trust in that person to leave them with, you know, your their children to be looked after by you. And I think for someone to, you know, agree for you to be their surrogate, I look at it as it's a privilege that they've allowed me to do that. So, yeah. um, you know, I kind of look at both sides to it. Yes, you know, it's lovely, the, the thank yous. It is very sweet and everything. And I understand they're completely grateful. But I'm also grateful because it's a journey that, and a memory that I'll always have and treasure. So mm-hmm. for me, mm-hmm. I feel it's a real privilege and I'm grateful for them to allow me to be part of that. And so one of the things that, you know, when I'm speaking to people in our community, i.e. infertility side, yeah. um, say quite a lot is they feel a bit put off by the idea of surrogacy, partly because it's really expensive, which we'll talk about in a minute, but partly because it's a kind of third person involved in their pregnancy. Yeah. Do you have, I mean, do you have a response to that? Um, I would say that it's, it, it's their journey. I always say to the intended parents, it's their journey. Um, I can, I totally understand. And, you know, I'm with a lot of our intended parents, you know, they, that their stories vary completely as to why they've come to surrogacy. Um, and, you know, um, they kind of almost have to grieve the fact that they're not going to be the ones carrying it and they have to get their heads around that. Um, but to try and make them feel as special as an, as an important, you know, to get them involved in, um, make sure they're involved in, in appointments, in scans. You know, mm-hmm. through the pandemic, the hospitals wanted to stop um, intended parents going in. We That's wrote, awful. Oh, it's, it's disgusting. And, and, and they said, unless it was exceptional circumstances. So we actually drafted a letter, myself and my business partner, um, and we drafted a letter and sent it to all the clinics that our surrogates and intended parents were using um, mm. and said surrogacy is an exceptional circumstance and as a, an yeah. experienced surrogate myself I feel I wouldn't want to be in a scan it's so important for the bonding what mm. if something went wrong oh, you're missing God. huge milestones that these people live for um, you know I think to make um, sure the intended parents know that this is their journey and some intended parents that we come to me you know it's everything that they've got to even get out of bed and put one foot in front of another mm-hmm. of the daytime you know and this is where 
we give them so much support and we make sure that they know there's no membership to an agency. There's no, you know, they're not a client, that we're on a journey all together and I yeah. make it as, as nice a journey as it can. It's not necessarily their first option and 99% yeah. of the time there's heartache behind why they've come mm-hmm. to us. But yeah. we make sure that, you know, we try and reassure you know, explain everything and get them to be as involved as possible. Yeah. God, do you know what? I remember being at a baby shower of all places a few years ago. And then I was talking about Kim Kardashian and this woman was like, who was very pregnant as well. And um, not to the person whose baby shower it was, but somebody else was like, um, oh yeah, I really judge Kim Kardashian because she can't even be bothered to carry her own children. And yeah. I was like... <sighs> yeah. And then mm. just shout. Well, I didn't shout, but I, I said a lot. I mean, we have people come to us that have already got children and they've got secondary infertility. Mm-hmm. No one's got a right to judge how no. um, many children you have um, yeah. or anything like that. And whether, you know, all the money in the world can't buy a cure for a terminal illness, it can't buy a no. cure mm-hmm. for infertility, if that is if what you're going through. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it can't always do that. And, you know, she may have carried two of her own children, but you know, the risk to her life was too great to be able to carry another yeah. but wanted to expand her children. And who, unless someone has walked in in that person's shoes, nobody's got a right to judge, I feel, or yeah. comment. I agree massively. Yeah. Um, obviously, surrogacy is incredibly complex and it's different in every every country, right? So what? how does it work in the UK? Um, I mean, it's not legally binding in the UK. A surrogate can't be paid for being a surrogate. They claim expenses like loss of earnings, childcare, clothing, food, um, travel, that sort of thing. Um, but uh, And a surrogacy in the UK is very much based on trust at the moment because, you know, documents and agreements aren't legally binding. Um, there's amazing family lawyers and we use... Um, I recommend amazing family lawyers, but you know, um, it varies. We um, also have an happy endings in LA, and it's so different to what it is over here. Um, mm, yeah, you know, it's um, much more. You see, I'm very pro bringing the law in, but then at the same yeah. time, is it then going to become a business and commercialized? And that's yeah. when the the fees are just astronomical and, and go through the roof. And do you know what I mean? So yeah. So it's kind of vaguely achievable here. Just out of interest, what's the what are the cost differences? So, like in the UK, how much would it be versus well, I mean, in the US? Every agency varies. I mean, clinic-wise, I couldn't really say regarding a clinic because a clinic has their own protocols and yeah, yeah. everyone's journey is different. But you know, for us, we charge like five hundred pounds to register and meet a surrogate. Um, you know, other agencies can charge anything in excess of up to ten thousand pound in the UK. Mm-hmm. Um, a surrogate will claim anything between eight to fourteen thousand pound in expenses throughout her journey for for everything that mounts up. Mm. Um, <clears throat> some surrogates, it depends if it's a friend or a family, uh, don't you know claim anything if they live very nearby. Mm. Um, yeah. It's just real minor expenses. Um, America, you're looking at the minimum an agency will probably charge would be twenty five thousand dollars, and that's wow. just for a match. Um, some yeah. agencies. <laughs> start at you know eighty thousand wow. dollars um and a surrogate can claim tax free up to a hundred thousand dollars for being a surrogate if you if a surrogate is from 
late and is experienced, their base compensation will be huge, like, wow. you know, 80000 in in excess of. It depends. It varies from state to state as to what, like, whether it be Texas, Chicago, wherever it may be. Um, yeah. But it is, you're looking on average a whole surrogacy journey in the US, including clinics, agency, compensation, everything, probably around about $200,000. Wow. You're looking in the UK, um, I would say probably more between ten to fifteen thousand um, pounds. But it, okay. again, it, that's a for me that I feel that's at a higher end. We don't, you know, as I said, we charge five hundred pounds to register and meet your yeah. surrogate. You know, we don't. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to go on holiday and lay on a beach knowing I've just profited out of somebody's heartache. That's not what I got into surrogate mm-hmm. for. In the UK, though, it's much harder to find a surrogate, right? Because there are just way yes. fewer. I mean, I mean, we got like eight applications come through for the American one last night. Um, oh, wow. And um, out of those eight, one is only actually sort of, you know, we could even medically clear. So because wow. everybody wants to be a surrogate in America because who wouldn't want to be when they think yeah. that they can do that? $100,000. Um, you know, like $80,000 to sit around and eat McDonald's all day. That sounds great. Um, you know, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, uh, but in the UK, um, I think that, you know, it's um, kind of, uh, it, it's just totally different. Like I say, it's, um, you know, it totally varies compensation-wise what people charge um, agencies and corporations and non-profit in the UK and um yeah i just think that if the person goes into it with the right reason if somebody rings me up in the uk um and says how much do i get paid i'm not interested in that surrogate at all i understand everybody's got a right to be compensated but not profit from it um and surrogates are hard to come by that's why i'm extremely grateful for people like yourselves to give us the platform to talk okay. about it and raise awareness for it you know I'll absolutely talk how do you tend to find them do they just hear about you and get in touch or is there yeah you know, how do you I'm, go about it I'm constantly doing a, raising awareness we have help <laughs> with um um two lovely ladies that do some kind of PR that have connections that you know um help us with getting the word about or be it on podcasts Instagram lives um we um kind of do chat to some people through Facebook, but they go through a thorough um, vetting procedure, you know, DBS checks, medical background checks and everything, and interviews before we even say, yes, you know, great, you can Mm. be a surrogate. Um, But, yeah, I would say social media, raising awareness, uh, word of mouth, um, you know, and I've got a big mouth, one of those. So, you know, (laughs) (laughs) I try and get it everywhere as much as possible. So... Yeah, but yeah, it's a lot harder to come by surrogates, yeah. especially a traditional surrogate. What's what's the kind of waiting list like? What's the waiting time like, I guess? We normally give a guide. Um, to if somebody was to want to join, uh, we would say between six to nine months for a gestational surrogate and right. up to 12 months for a traditional. And we okay. don't... Um, one thing I'm really against is I don't believe in sending out intended parents' profiles waiting for a surrogate to pick them. 99% okay. of surrogates will pick someone that hasn't got a child. 
um, right. or something like that. I feel yeah. if we do the picking, um, kind of, and the matching, then everybody's got a fair chance. We don't do oh, social. So you're, you're essentially Scylla Black of surrogacy. <laughs> yeah, kind of. Without <laughs> the screen wall in the middle, that's it, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, we do the matching so that for, that way everybody gets a chance. You know, everyone has got the right to be a parent, no matter, you know, be it um, through infertility, through secondary infertility, mm. or same sex couple. However, they come to surrogacy, everyone's got the right to be a parent. Okay. Yeah. And I 100% agree. Um, okay. Well, Rachel, I, I mean, it's just been so cool talking to you. Mm, it's really, really, really interesting. Lovely talking to you. Thank you. Oh, I guess the last question that I would like to ask is just what's your advice to couples who would who would want to do surrogacy in the UK? I would say don't be scared. Make that call. Um, I speak to a lot of people every day that th- think it's very daunting. When they've had that chat, they realise it's not. Um, mm-hmm. Do your research. Make sure you've got the right support around you and you're fully informed. Um, and um, write your list of questions that you want to ask and then put it around there to everybody possible and um yeah just just make that call because it might not be as scary as what you think don't believe all what you sometimes read in the papers mm, that's definitely good advice for yeah. most things in life absolutely thank you so much for joining joining us it's been an absolute pleasure oh no thank you i really appreciate it I'm reaching a point where I've run out of things to say at the end of the podcast. We should like actually come things. up with. Why don't we make a challenge to, to say something creative? Okay. At the end of each one. Maybe we should like find quotes to say. Oh yeah, that's quite good. At the end of every podcast, like something from the end of a Shakespeare play. Yes. Exit I like it. by a bear. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, that would be fun for everyone. That might encourage people to listen to the end as well from now on, see what we come up with. We'll bring something cerebral to the podcast. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Um, next week, it's, it's just going to be us. Well, yeah, it's going to be us and Sophie, but they're not just us. Yeah. Um, We're going to chat about um, potentials for baby number two. It's not going to be for everyone. No. We accept that. Um, but it is something that we've had a lot of requests for. Yeah. So it's basically by popular demand. I don't think we ever intended to talk about this, did we? Not really, until maybe we started doing it. You know what I mean? No. Um, so, yeah. so yeah, if you're, you know, if you're not in a great place, you know, obviously we we're talking about a second baby, so that, that might be frustrating. Yeah. And that is totally understandable. Yeah. But also, it, I don't know, if you're not in that place, it might be quite interesting. Yeah. So just gauge your emotional situation and then listen or don't listen. Maybe yeah. save it for another time. Yeah, exactly. Maybe just say fuck off. Don't leave a mean review. No, please don't. No. But um, yeah, we're, we're doing it because people asked us to. Yeah. And that is, that's it. So in the meantime, have a lovely fortnight. Yeah, guys. Enjoy. Um, and uh, I'll make sure that Emma comes back from Wales. Don't worry. Yeah, I'll try. How are you getting there? Driving? Yeah. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah. Sometimes um, there's trains, you know. There are trains, but they don't go to where we're staying. Oh, of course. You're going to a secret special place. Yeah. Anyway, have a good time there. I'll miss you. Thanks, pal. I'll miss you too. See you later. Bye. Bye.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.